Hello, everybody. It's your girl once more. Joy has questions coming to you with another amazing episode. And I am going to start it as I always do with You Better Know. Today's You Better Know is going to be featuring the works, the life, the amazingness of ancestor Asa Philip Randolph, better known as A. Philip Randolph. If anyone remembers this, I think it was like an HBO or Showtime movie, like had to be late 90s, early 2000s. It was called 10,000 Black Men Named George. And it was basically based on this man who organized and led the Brotherhood of Sleeping Car Porters, the first predominantly African-American labor union. Now, this country is built on labor unions, but all too often they rarely have people of color. Unions, as we know, are protections for the worker against basically the company, making sure that they have uh, equal access to fair working conditions, uh, financial restitution in the event of getting hurt. These are all protections that completely were not afforded um, workers for the longest time and especially to African-Americans. Now, the reason why it is so amazing what Philip Randolph was able to accomplish was because, number one, he had tried forming other labor unions in the past, but it wasn't really successful. But he kept at it because he believed that this was something that definitely needs to take place for the betterment of everyone. On top of the fact that not only was he persistent, just even taking a step back in terms of why the movie was even called 10,000 Black Men Named George. The Brotherhood of the Sleeping uh, Carporter Association was directly going against the Pullman Company. Now, if you never have heard of the Pullman Company, the Pullman Company was run by George Pullman. He manufactured railroad cars in the mid to late 19th century through the first half of the 20th century, which was known as the railroad boom of the United States of America. Now, I know a couple of weeks ago, I talked about our ancestor Elijah McCoy and how his engineering efforts and his patents were the reason why everyone wanted his uh, machinery on their trains because trains were the main way that people got around this country. They were the original airplanes, if you will. The Another aspect as to why this was so epic was because the rudeness that those who were afforded the, the ability to even be on train cars, let's keep it real, majority of the time, white people, was the fact that if you wanted to get something on the train, whether it was a newspaper or a meal or you're ready to go to bed, all you had to do was call for George. Didn't matter if George was named Philip, didn't matter if George was named Tyrone or Rufus or W.E.B. Du Bois, just the level of disrespect. Everyone got called George. It's like literally saying your whole existence does not matter because you just work for George Pullman. And if anyone has ever been to the Pullman or I should say the West Pullman community of this city, now it is, you know, run down or trying to go through a resurgence. But in its heyday, George Pullman was one of the richest men in the United States. And his old mansion, which is of historical significance, is one of the biggest structures I have ever seen. Even for something built in like the 1900s, it's pretty fucking impregnable and just pretty epic. You can't take that away from him. So the fact that Asa Philip Randolph was just like, I'm tired of the bullshit. We are definitely going to do something about this was just beyond amazing. 
Not only did he have a successful strike to ensure that the union was recognized, but he also was the lead organizer for the March on Washington. Now, everyone knows that the March on Washington was one of the most epic civil rights moments in this country. Dr. Martin Luther King delivered the I Have a Dream speech on the steps of the Lincoln Memorial. And it's something that if for nothing else will always be burned into the minds of our community and our society. But to have this man, to have Asa Philip Randolph organize it in conjunction with Baynard Rustin, who was also one of the lead strategists for Dr. Martin Luther King, it just shows the beauty of collaborative work as well as doing something that is for the betterment of everyone and not just for self. George Pullman was for self. All the other Robin Bears were for self. The Rockefellers, the J.P. Morgans, everyone. When you think about this society and capitalism, it benefits nobody but those who the system was already uh, created for. And rarely do people of color find ways to crack it. So shout out to Brother Asa uh, for all his contributions, his work. I just kept it brief because honestly, there was so much stuff to even cover. If I'd have done that, we'd have been half the show would have been talking about him and his efforts. Um, but I just wanted everyone to know if you've never heard of Asa Philip Randolph, you definitely need to do more research on him in terms of his activism. And if you have not seen Ten Thousand Black Men Named George, definitely I think it's just a great kind of like quick synopsis to even understand his life and his contributions. So now we are moving right along into me introducing my phenomenal guest for the evening. Y'all, okay, so when I tell you, I didn't know if I was going to start the show today doing like the Beasley Creed or if I was <laughs> doing, <laughs> Not the Beasley Creed. Right, B, believe it, like, no, for real. I didn't know if I was going to start the show doing that or being like, Mama, I've made it. I'm interviewing the official interviewer of Chicago. I feel like for real, like watching you um, and your ascension has been bomb. You have always been a very, oh, not, I look like I've lost Isaiah. What are you doing? No. Okay. <laughs> See, rule number one of podcasting. Don't pay attention to what I'm doing. People are listening. They don't know that I'm recording video of you looking like. <laughs> I've lost Isaiah. I'm you, tired. You're looking like yesterday. <laughs> yes. <laughs> that is my looking like. <laughs> hold on, hold on. When you start, Jacob's Ladder, like start singing, it's where I am climbing. <laughs> Jacob's Ladder. Like it is rough. Oh, Wait no. till I, I throw the weekend judge nah, on it. You're beautiful, sis. <laughs> okay. You're beautiful, man. You're Thanks, good. bro. But. <laughs> I have the one and only Domati Pongo in the building. Thank yes. you. Whoa, is this when you cool like the cue the applause? And oh the- yeah, this is gonna be like the air horns. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, all that. Yeah. No, I'm super excited to have you on this show. Thank you, man. I'm glad to be here. I- I'm a fan of Joy Has Questions since way, way, way back. I know. Since back when you had 20 followers and whatnot, <laughs> and when you had five posts and uh and what truly. What I admire about you, and you talked about this in your motivation message, is your consistency. You know what I mean? And it's very hard to remain consistent, especially. People think it's hard to remain consistent when people congratulate you, but sometimes that can make you complacent. And the fact that you've been consistent is an inspiration to everybody trying to make something happen. So I appreciate watching your growth. It's dope. Thank you. It, It definitely has been something that is like, just keep your head down and keep moving straight ahead. Mm -hmm. Because if I get caught up looking at 
all these bitches, you know, with the waist trainers and <laughs> the flat tummy tea lollipops. And I'm just like, all I have to do is just hold up a sucker and my they life could change. flat tummy lollipops now? Lollipops. That's so, an oxymoron. That's so you like, can suck something to make you lose weight? <laughs> I like what you did there. I we go, everybody. Don't do fun, go, everybody. Right. He's going to be at the original Jokes and Notes this yes, Friday. You yes, know how yes, like yes. everybody on the show like used to come on and be like, yeah, I'm at Jokes and Notes this Saturday Every 11. single time. I'm at the Laugh Factory. Right. All that good stuff. But uh, no, nah, this, this is dope. And yes, you popped on without having to sip flat tummy teas and sell them or them weird like teeth whitening laser things. You so. know what? I will say this, though. Activated charcoal will change your life. Activated charcoal will. Well, yeah. I, I, I do. I brush with uh, activated charcoal. I was about to say. And, and chew sticks. I, think I, oh, I meant to bring something I was going to give to you. Anyway, I'm That's getting you fine. off track. I had a gift for you. I, oh. I bring it to you. I really did. I really did. I had a gift. I got these journals. Uh, <gasps> Pongo Strategy Group journals. I don't know if you journal a lot. I do. I'm a lame. Yeah, I me too. Me too. Journals are good because... You know, the word says, write the vision and make it plain. And I think that thoughts are things. And I think that words are things. And it's not less important to put things in your phone. But when you write things down. Let me tell you something. When it's I it strike a line through something, I feel a, a release or a relaxation that I yes. do not get from on a phone. I am a traditionalist. I love writing things out, crossing off my list. Yes. So I got leather bound, uh, Pongo strategy. Oh, group this branded. is fancy. Oh, they, they're fancy. Okay. They're fancy. I've been running around all day. The only reason I don't have it, but you live down the street. So right after this podcast, I'm coming back and I'm bringing you a journal. Thank uh, you. but it, it's super dope. And, and it's spiritual. When you cross things out, I mean, I have done practices where I write down negative influences in my life, things that I don't want to happen. I'll rip, write them all down, and I rip up the piece of paper, and it's worked. I am here for this. See, this is why we have always, yes, <laughs> yes. we better have this common yes. sense and ancestral presence. Yes, okay, but come no, on. Thank you. No doubt. So um, we are going to diverge just briefly and then Let's come go. back to that positive space, sure. but we just got to talk about the fuck shit real quick. Okay. So according to IG, um, I, let me preface this by saying, if you have children, whatever birthday party you want for your kids, that's between you and whoever's chipping in on it, which is typically the parents. So I'm not out here trying to say, like, no one can throw parties for their kids. <laughs> but if your parties have racist or, or bigoted origins, I don't care what the explanation is, what I am referring to. Over the weekend, um, Kevin Hart and his 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 wife, Aniko, threw their son Kenzo a birthday party. I think he's one years old. The point is they had his birthday party, and they did it as a cowboy and Indian thing. Now, I understand that on top, and a lot of people don't realize this, like, oh, that's a thing, cowboys and Indians, the fighting. But I'm like, that is, especially coming off of Thanksgiving, which is also known as like right, right. Native People Genocide Day. Right, it right. wasn't the best, or I feel the most tasteful um, party concept. But I understand the fact they didn't do a deep enough research. Yeah, and yeah. I love how Black people we love say, "I'm one sixteen Chippewa." You see this one wave girl, right, my right. great, great, great. And as much as people like to claim that, the fact is there isn't a lot of Native American blood at times within like African Americans. That's like kind of almost like a rumor. And if you think I'm wrong, Henry Gates said it first. Like, I, <laughs> it's not me just saying. The it. irony is, you look very Native American. The, you know what the funny thing is? Now, my family actually has proof that, has that proof. they were okay. there. We're talking about like great grandparents. Got you. I'm okay. um, 
German, African American, and Native American. Gotcha. So those are the the main components. Well, but, German, African, and Native American would make more sense. True. Yeah. yeah. Well, Bloodline wise, yes. You're yes. right because Jim Meyer. What, the point is, I would I say blessed to do my ancestry.com yeah. without having to pay for gotcha. it. Gotcha. But I'm going to disagree with you a little bit, though, because think about what you just said when you opened the segment. You said, you know, the baby is cute, chunky monkey, and you meant it out of love. And right. I do this with my nephew, too. You know, we, we say, oh, little monkey. But we don't mean this. And my ne- nephew is mixed, right? Okay. You know what I'm saying? Half Italian, half African. And you don't realize that innocent things have been perverted by True. white supremacy. And there's nothing innocent about cowboys and Indians because we came up from the John Waynes and the white man was the savior and he was killing the Indians, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But I do understand how American families can fall into these tropes accidentally that are offensive. And unfortunately, because Kevin Hart has a platform, we make it seem like everyone with the platform is automatically an intellectual. Sure. You know, and he has responsibility, he has a platform, but it was probably a learnable, a teachable moment Sometimes people don't know. Imagine your ignorant cousin who funny tells some jokes, made it. Now this mofo family birthday gathering becomes a thing of public spectacle. And he doesn't even, he didn't learn his history. We didn't learn. Only reason we knew it because we both went to Beasley. So like we. That really was the foundation. You know, for those outside of Chicago, Beasley is one of those. It was a pro-black magnet school for gifted kids. And even if you weren't gifted, they taught you how to be gifted. Right. I remember (laughs) like in the hallway, remember the paintings? It was like the banjo lesson. Like they had like iconic African-American paintings. Garrett A. Morgan. I wouldn't have known that the streetlights were created by a black man and had those colors because it was Afrocentric. Machine by Jam Metzlinger. I was Charles Drew for like dress up as a hero day one day, like who did the doctor make Washington. Come on, man. Okay. This one said, but everybody didn't have that experience that we have. And so it doesn't mean we don't call them out and teach them. But I think sometimes, especially the 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 intelli the black intelligentsia gets into this space where we expect people to know what we know. Mm -hmm. And because they have a platform of responsibility, we want them to exercise it. But I'm sure if he knew, he would have did better. I will say, okay, so to your point, I do agree with the fact of the polarizing times. Everything is like under a microscope. And people at times are hypersensitive. I think it's also a thing of when for so long, no one has respected, you know, other people's cultures or their own like societal groups. It's yeah. like, look, I don't give a fuck what any <laughs> the next one is getting this good read. That's a good. So that's, I that's understand it. And it's like we've created that environment because for so long we haven't cared about marginalized yeah. groups. We haven't cared about like listening to another person's side. We've been cool with Columbus came here. Right. They split, you know, meals. Maybe a little smallpox happened. It was a mistake. <laughs> it was a mistake. Or it's like, right, girl, what you're calling, you know, illegal immigrants, y'all call it the Homestead Act. Like, I'm mm. sorry, how you homesteading some shit for people that are already here? Like, right, facts. So facts. that's the thing for me where it was just like completely understand your point and the fact that he didn't know. I think the more, the reason why I got a little bit more agitated was his response. Oh, what was his response? Which was more defensive in the sense of This is like, my first time hearing a story, by the way. Okay. So I'm speaking from a place of... No, no, you're fine. Going his off response your... basically was like, okay, come on, y'all. Like, as kids, did we not all play this game? And I'm like, that's, mm. that's fine, and I understand where you're coming from. The intent wasn't there, but right. now I feel like you're doubling down and you're not even listening yeah, 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 to yeah. what the issue actually is. And to be fair, I'm going to contradict myself in the point I made previously, but I'm a Gemini. We do that from time to time. <laughs> um, 
to be fair, when you have that much access, agency, wealth, whatever you want to call it, at what point do you start to educate yourself on things that you don't know about? And so if something comes to your attention, it's on you to, you know, to sit down and say, hey, or, but I, then on the other hand, so like, this is going to get irritating because I'm going both sides. But then on the other hand, I feel like celebrities probably get irritated with perhaps the PR person coming in saying, hey, Kevin, are you sure you want to do the Cowboys and Indians party? <laughs> right. It's like, I'm going to do what I want. These are my kids. You know what I mean? So, if he wants to be Mufasa, damn it, then he's going to be Mufasa. Mufasa. I'm a black man. I know about discrimination. Exactly. I can marginalize whoever. <laughs> so, and that, and, uh, and you that, hit it. Yeah. Say that part. That's, that's the that. thing. I think a lot of times, I do not believe that black people can be racist. And now we can, you know, have our conversation about it. But my thing Word. is this. I do not create the structure in which I am oppressed. So therefore, you cannot turn around and be like, oh, well, you know. You're, you're being racist. Right? Actually, no, because I don't benefit from this societal structure. Right. Now, what I do say is black people most certainly can be prejudiced. Facts. <laughs> we might, and I've seen Facts. it happen. Um, but I will say in this situation, you're wrong, in my opinion. Like, yeah, this isn't. I, he's, he's not right, you know, but. Or at least be willing it's, to it's have the, the conversation as to why that might have come up you know, as offensive to somebody. Yeah, I think it opens the door for a lot of conversation. But I, I think it also makes us think about how many rituals and traditions we have that are painful that mm-hmm. we don't even recognize that there's pain in it. Because I've never met, I was going to say I never met a Native American, but I have met an indigenous person and quite a few of them when I lived in Minnesota. And I didn't realize I hadn't met any indigenous people until I went to Minnesota. Mm-hmm. And I started seeing them. And I was like, oh, I've never just seen Native Americans kicking it at the bar, chilling, just doing like, right. we don't have them in Chicago. I'm, I'm, we have them. They're here. These I think the but you get what I'm saying? Like in the traditional sense, like my friend yes. um, Ashley, she was actually my second interview ever for Joy Has Questions. And her whole, I believe it's her father's side of the family, like her grandparents are Native American. Like she goes back. If it's not to Arizona, I believe it's to Colorado. And she's every summer she spends like a part of yes, her time. Yes, where out they're really there. connected to the culture and you can see it. It's obvious. It's, I'm sure but I, that's I bump the into only a lot of the traditional, you know, exactly. space that I've ever seen reflected. Everyone else I feel like kind of assimilates into American culture. Word. So you don't really become aware of a people until you interact with them. Mm-hmm. And so if you haven't had the privilege, Having some cool Native American homies to kick it with, you don't even realize what you do. That's a, even the fact that we said cowboys and Indians. Even right. you know, what I mean, you don't even really understand until you immerse yourself in that environment. And so, I can empathize with people who haven't had a chance to, because I mean, there's a lot of learning I had to do about rhetoric and things that I say that are hurtful. I don't mean to be hurtful, but you know, and I've had to educate my white homies on why what you said wasn't cool. You right. know, so. I, I can empathize with it. His response, I'm not really vibing with. But. And I know it wasn't done out of like him trying to be a, clearly a bad father. This it's a a birthday party for his son. Like I, it's a terrible father, right? How dare you? How dare you spend this money? Um, also, randomly, since I did quote or mention Mufasa, I would personally like to take the time to thank <laughs> James Earl Jones for staying healthy. Um, for staying with us in the yeah. land of the living. When I heard that he was going to play the voice, I literally went, God, you have one job. Just keep him alive Protect him. to 2019. Call him afterward. Because let's be real. I like to thank Throat Coat T. 
<laughs> I like to think lemon honey. I would like to think genetics. <laughs> like, let's be real. Who, if we did not get James Earl Jones as Mufasa, I would have never wanted this remake. Yeah, there's I no way you can. Would make you take the a Lion Would you take a Morgan Freeman Mufasa? No. I am. This no. time has set on my time. Here. It needs to, because I am not. <laughs> Take your ass back to Shawshank's Redemption. I don't want to hear this. That was fine with March of the Penguins. That was cute when he wanted to play Christ with Bruce Almighty. I am not. I want James the Earl Jones. James the Earl Jones. I want, like... Uh, Bill Cosby, black exploitation, a piece on. of the action, James the Earl Jones. Yeah, facts. I don't want anybody else. How do you feel about the CGI version of Lion King? Are you with it? So the reason why I am with it, well, because see, now we're going to get into the marketing aspect of right, it, right? right? Disney is out to kill us. I'm convinced. Disney is trying to murder us? Here's why. Because the the emotional like tizzy I've been in for the past couple of weeks, I also just found out they're doing this one too. So now we have Toy Story 4 mm. coming out June 19th, which is a month before Lion King. Uh-huh. They bring in back Dumbo, the live action one. They got Colin Farrell playing the dad. Like, that's about to be epic as shit. You also have Mary Poppins returning, and then they just dropped Aladdin and now they got Tarzan coming back. All in 2019. I don't even know when they had... T- like, they had the ultimate Beyonce album. They've been doing all yeah. this shit secretly. You know, But you know what they do? The only reason they even come up with, with generational, you know, Gen X, Gen Y, Millennial, mm-hmm. it's for marketing reasons. Because we're all as now we parents. Know. And we're all now... Technically. So everybody in their mid to late 20s, early 30s, we're nostalgic. We want to take our kids to see it. I don't but give we a about your children. If little Shatani can't get, if it's between me and her, you'll be consoling a five-year-old. Because I'm going to be looking like. They know exactly what they They took every it's a film rough life, sis. that we grew up on and brought it back. And come Aladdin. It's fucking genius. It, it is epically genius. But I will say in terms of the live action part, which you asked. I think they used the Jungle Book as the tester, and the response was so incredible. I actually loved the Did live you? action. And even when I was watching Black Panther, uh-huh. I was like, remember the scene when he's talking to his father and his father comes out the tree? I'm like, yes. they're testing this to see how it'll look. Because that's rem- reminiscent even- of Mufasa when he comes back to talk to Simba. Ah. When he's in the, it's the same thing with T'Challa. And I remember. I feel like the meme with the high dude with the hoodie, like, yo. From the white, yeah. Yeah, you They've right. been testing it to see, like, what the response would be. Oh, you deep, B. Oh, no. I, <laughs> I see the, I, I see the internal strategy meetings happening. Like, okay, That's so the Ill. response was great. Yeah. I think the bigger thing for me, I know I can hear the, the hive slowly buzzing. Mm-hmm. I was most concerned, and I am still concerned, with Beyonce playing Nala. Why are you concerned? I guess the thing is, I want to make sure I can let go of my childhood expectation. Beyonce, you got big Nala expectations? No, no, no. For, hold on. Hold on. I am Nala. She is me. You do fake look like Nala. Y'all oh, like the same complexion. <laughs> same I, nose popping Nala off. Nala didn't take nobody's shit. She, yeah, like, don't you look like Nala. Let's back up. <laughs> let's even 
angels back up. Even as a child, I don't give a fuck if you about to be king. You still need to get your weight up, which is why I keep pinning your ass. Right. She definitely also knew how to encourage him because even did. though they almost got killed, she was like, well, I thought you were brave. She was trying to be a friend. She a rider. Lift she is a true rider, but she also was not about to sit here and play herself while Simp over here rolling around eating worms and shit with Timon and Pumbaa in the height of his <laughs> fuckboy years. I'm going to... I'm going to see how much you... First of all, that you just went crazy. Sorry. <laughs> who was the actress that played Nala, though? It was a white woman. Um, I actually... No, I got this because I just remember... Hold on. Nathan Lane played Timon. The fat man played Pumbaa. Mm, I remember her. Nev Campbell mm. from Party of Five. You're good. Yes. You're good. I was like... So you cool with a white woman playing a South African... No, no. Hold on. Okay. <laughs> I was okay with everybody from the cast getting switched out. Okay. Because okay. like you said, when you know better and you think about it, as a child, I wasn't thinking on the back end, well, who's being represented in this South African right, story? Like, right, who's right, in right. the Serengeti? Right. I was just happy. I was like, oh, this is bomb. This is bomb, yeah. But now I like the inclusivity and keeping it real. Like, mm -hmm. this should be a black cast. It's in the heartland, the pride land. Um. I guess my thing is I'm just used to her voice register being higher mm. and Beyonce has a huskier, a, a more deeper, sultry milky voice. voice yeah. People don't like, we're so used to always seeing the clips of her singing and, yeah. and doing, I'm like, she don't sound like that when she talks. The great thing about Beyonce actually is it's a plus and a minus. Are those Maduro cigars sitting up there? Yeah. Y'all finished it. <laughs> I was like, I'm bringing y'all a gift. I would love to leave with one. They got this case of Maduro cigars sitting. I just lost my we train classy. of thought. We classy. No. <laughs> Real classy. Y'all fly. This, first of all, can I say, mm -hmm. I'm, I'm going to get back to the point, but this this apartment is made for a man, by the way. We're recording. <laughs> what? So, you know, I, I believed myself, went to the bathroom, and over the toilet, there's this very beautiful, picturesque, almost 3D <laughs> picture. So, as I'm, you know, <laughs> handling my business, I'm just looking and gazing and thinking about my future. It's like waters and <laughs> It's one of those pictures that's drawn so well. It's a portrait. It looks like the waves are moving. I'm like, this looks like a scene out of Lion King. So you you know a woman who's a player by the picture over her toilet because that's only for men. Because women, I look in the opposite way because y'all always sit down. Good and point. It. I never thought of Jasmine. Who you out here? Okay, finesse guy. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So Jasmine, I got some single buddies. We could talk after the podcast. Let me know what's going on. But that's when I knew. And they got cigars. They got a random baseball player that's black on a white socks over here. Bobblehead. That's Harold Baines. I, I don't watch baseball. <gasps> so everybody's random to me. Okay. I don't watch baseball. I have <clears throat> three words, ladies. I say this all the time. We were going to ho-ho correctly, and here's why. No salary cap. <laughs> that's all I'm going to say. That's facts. Like, that's facts. So that's why y'all know the baseball. No, I know him because um, my father was very much involved with the White Sox organization. Got he it. was basically over there like official fan club. Wow. Um, he was really good friends with one of the longstanding organists for the Sox and the Cubs, Nancy Faust. So that's how I used to watch the games as a kid. Wow. I would sit in the booth with her and she would play. And I'm like, this is fun, Dad. Like, yeah. That's I'm a I'm a huge, um, I bleed black and white. I'm, a huge, I'm actually a very big baseball fan. I'm a White Sox fan by default. And the lines, we yeah, know. Cause that's it's, it. You know what is interesting, though, in this city? You want to see a fucking battle take place? What's that? It's not even between black people. Put a Southside Irishman and a Northside Irishman against each other. Oh, they will blow up 
the entire block. What Bridgeport versus Wrigley is going down. It literally it's it's so interesting. I don't we don't even talk about I think we always are in this city like okay, lines of demarcation black versus white or the mm-hmm. haves and have nots. But no one really talks about the disparities or I should say the social issues between um the north side Irish and south side Irish. I didn't even think about it super interesting no that's facts no but what i was gonna say initially yeah beyonce yes her voice is so recognizable but Mm -hmm. she does very few interviews so even though we all know her voice when we hear it we don't get to hear it a lot unless you're really into beyonce right so even when i watch princess and the frog i'm like okay that's is that the movie with princess kiana no no no. that was anika noni rose um who did beyonce play she played somebody Beyonce wasn't in that movie she was in um it was a movie like with a B. It wasn't the B movie. It was something she played like the the queen. I think she played Queen, queen B, B of the Hive. Well, Beyonce played a cartoon character, and I remember watching, and I'm like, I couldn't get out of the fact that this was Beyonce. But I also we also really don't hear her speaking voice a lot. True. You know, but and so I think that serves her well not, as a voice actress. For as amazing as she is as a performer and entertainer, she definitely is a le- she is a legend at this point. Yeah. Um, but she actually says like she gets nervous. She doesn't like speaking. Well, um, she's not a poor speaker. She's not. I think sometimes like she gets in her head, but that's mm. to me what has like she's very cerebral, even though it seems like she's just, you know, sexy and dancing all the time. Um, but the movie is going to be Super D duper epic, and also shout out to Beyonce. Are you serious? the name of the movie was epic? Well, look at God. Look at that. <laughs> That's, like, That's what I'm talking about. Um, but not only that, shout out. What I was saying was shout out to Beyonce for having her team cover because people, when I say all the time, think about the bigger picture. Figure out how like branding and partnerships and what your trade off is by knowing your worth. I found it super interesting. That for Coco, which was one of Disney's highest grossing movies last year, which was about that little boy in Dia uh, Los Mortes, Day of the Dead. I was wondering, how the hell did Chloe and Hallie get the title track? If y'all think for a second <laughs> that Beyonce was not like, so I'm doing the soundtrack for The Lion King. I'm also playing Nala. Mm-hmm. I might have a back-end production credit somewhere. Mm-hmm. And also, my girls are going to be on soundtracks for y'all shit, too. Right. Because exactly. not, and it's not even being shady. Chloe Halley ain't Latina. They ain't of the Hispanic diaspora. Like that ain't they thing. So I'm just like, how did they get on it? Beyonce. Um, and that's an excellent example of like holding your people down and also including them when it comes to your own deals. So right, I'm, exactly. I'm like, that's how you put people on. It's funny because you but, but what was what's funny about it though is cause Chloe and Halley opened up for it, they got mad access, all of that. But it lets you know there aren't any. It's kind of encouraging to be watching their rise and watching them come up under a Beyonce because they still haven't popped on. Mm-mm. You know what I'm saying? So, like, the fact that even that cosign, the cosign of cosigns, the Queen B, you still have to put in that work from the beginning, which goes back to, to what you said in your opening piece about the idea that you no matter what, you still have to put in the work. Mm-hmm. And, you know, somebody can throw you the alley you, but it's on you whether you, what you do with the ball once you get it, you exactly. know. So, I don't know. I'm, it's solution. It's crazy. They got those opportunities, but you would think they would be mega stars by now. That's still early in their career. What are they, like 12? Like, no, no. Like, I, they're like 18 or something, right? Like 17? It's taking me the longest to even figure out who is the oldest. So I thought they were twins. 
I only know about them because of my lady. I don't even know about Coley. They're not twins. They're, I mean, they do like, I mean, they're clearly family genetics or whatever, but, um, I hate to say this because I can't tell them apart. The thicker one is the younger sister. Mm. So the one with the lighter, airier voice, she's the one that just graduated from high school. And her sister's like right behind her. So I know they're like 17, 18, or maybe they just turned 18. Um, but they started, their buzz has been slow, even having Beyonce as, you know, basically their backer. And to me, it's ridiculous. Just those girls mm-hmm. can sing their ass off. And not only are they amazing singers, but they do their all of their arrangements. Do they have an album out already? Oh, hell yeah. They didn't have several. Several albums out. And actually, my favorite way to view their artistry, I love them on Grownish. Grownish is my show. Yeah, okay. Because they play two of um, Yara Shahidi's friends and dorm mates. Um, on the show. Got it, got it, And they're, honestly, they're fucking hilarious. They got it. They got that it. They do. And that's what I'm just like, it, it's cra- it's crazy to me, like what has to happen, or it's always that quote unquote white validation. Yeah, we yeah, knew yeah, them yeah, girls could sing, but when sure. they were on the MTV VMAs, that's when everybody's like, "Oh that's my god, it, have you right. heard of Chloe and how?" I'm like, "Yes, we have." But making it means something totally different now too with internet. Like we decide, we kind of decide, and and even thinking about us in the spaces we we're, we're in, we decide what success is for ourselves, mm-hmm. and you know. For as much as Chief Keith has never been on the internet, I mean on the radio, in several years, Finito is still less than Finito coming to club. It's going up. You saw that house party where the floor caved in. That to the, that was always my biggest college fear. Like literally, was, uh, I was the one drunk and also going, "Wait, what's the head count? What's is, the are head we count? at capacity? Does the fire marshal know what's happening here? <laughs> like, <laughs> you go down to U of I, be in them tight ass parties on Clark Street, be like, I know this tonight, I'm gonna die. Exactly. Like, this is it. So sometimes you 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 popping even whether or not the mainstream pays attention and mm-hmm. I think that's a good lesson for black creatives where we pop in and we sometimes seek validation or like you want that next thing to prove to you that you've made it to this certain level and being on on the other side of that to some degree with you know some of the stations I had a chance to work for us like it doesn't really matter it doesn't really matter as long as as long as you're able to take care of yourself as long as you're doing what you want to do and you're creating we need to get to the point where we define success for ourselves. So by all other counts, I mean, you know, Chloe and Halle doing their thing. Man. They are. And they their are. bank account still at this current time has more commas than mine. I will be there. My bank account has one comma. Okay. <laughs> also, let's know when I say bank account, I count what I've saved. So I'm just like, so like for me, it's like I can officially say I have a savings. Right. Praise him. Praise him. Sally May can't touch this one. Yeah. Can't touch that account. But um, something else that happened this week. (sighs) Dwight Howard. So. Oh, man. (laughs) I've been avoiding this on every platform. I've been hosting shows on on GM Radio. I've been avoiding this. We're doing it. This is happening. We are. So I guess. It reads truly like a real life version of like an Elon Harris novel. Like I, I literally, when I was like scrolling through the blog posts and the stories and trying to compare audio, like, do it sound like them? It does. I don't know. This is such a multi-layer shit show for me. And it all comes down to, I think, 
not allowing people to live in their truth mm-hmm. as well as the lengths and let me say, if this alleged case mm-hmm. of him being in a relationship with a transgender woman is true, if it is true, then I think it's something like the lengths that people will go to protect the facade because they're so afraid to be who they are. Yeah. yeah. Especially like when you're an athlete, no one comes out. No, don't nobody even remember Michael Sam. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. No one comes out. It's true. I still want to live this way. You knew what the rules were when you mentioned, and I'm just gonna put it out. The reason why I really thought the story was believable, I will never reveal names, but I like I've been heard about stories happening like this in the NBA, even on some local shit. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. So I've I'm just like, this ain't my first time thinking like, oh man, your favorite NBA stars just might be gay. Do you think trans women perpetuate this in a way? I think it's. I can't speak as I'm a, a cisgender, you know, for the most part, black woman, right? Or, mm-hmm. you know, um, what I will say is trans women are considered the bottom of the bottom by society. Mm-hmm. And the thing is, I think a lot of times they truly walk through life feeling like this is all, this is the closest that I can get to having happiness. Now, mm-hmm. I'm going to bring up one of my favorite shows, Pose is fucking amazing that first season was bomb i'm sitting here like where's <laughs> my homie was was breaking down oh my god it's good what she learned in pose i've never seen the show but she was uh because i don't got the the hbo app but she she was uh she was breaking down to me what she learned uh about the trans culture and how it helped her to understand what it is that they go through and she was kind of breaking it down to me helping me understand that like how how so many of them become sex workers and and that yeah. whole type of thing. I never thought about it. And and or even the case of like just the amount of trans women, like when we think about sexual assault or you know hate crimes, there's always trans women that will have their own existence turns against them and then can wind up dead. Because right. you're so I was minding my business. You decided to holler at me. You realize in the moment that oh she may not be quote unquote a natural born woman. And now you willing to to beat my head in because you're upset that I was living my life. That 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 happens a lot of times. So the one reason I brought up Pose was one of the main characters. She made the statement on um, a situation that happened, and she was like talking about her anatomy. And she was like, "This one thing." She was like, "I hate it with everything I have because this one thing is what keeps me from living the life I want." She was like, mm. "I want a husband. I want kids. I will never have that." Mm. Because of this one thing. Mm-hmm. So she was like, so don't ask me to now explain myself based around those parameters. So I think when you look at it from that lens, mm-hmm. it isn't that I think trans women are perpetuating it. I think at times like society does not accept even the definition of a trans the, woman. The reason I, I, I asked that question is because the big story here, and I want to make sure this doesn't get lost, is the mm-hmm. fact that Dwight's associates allegedly threatened this woman. Right. The pastor. The pastor. Dwight's pastor, so-called pastor, allegedly threatened this woman. And so we got sh- to make sure that that's uplifted. Mm-hmm. But there's also the understanding that she has the agency to out him and expose him. And this culture of outing, exposing, aha, I got you further perpetuates the idea that what he was doing was taboo. And we know it was taboo, mm-hmm. but 
it's hard for me to articulate it, but it's it's like the fact that you say it's almost like Catch Twenty Two. Yes, it's like he was with me. Hi, this is what I record the conversation. This is what had da da da. It it's like if there were any other NBA players who were considering coming out, it's like well, this is why I won't do it because I've given my heart to this trans woman, and I don't know if I can trust this person. And so it kind of creates a, I, I don't know, I, just in general, let's take it out of the Dwight Howard situation, mm-hmm. just in general, just this, this culture of calling people out in these situations where it's like putting people on blast and screenshots and recording conversation. It, it's just made it so that we look at people's lives like a spectacle. And so that if someone wants to live in their truth, how is that going to make anybody more comfortable to do that? You dig what I'm saying? So I, I don't I don't know, man. I'm scared to even touch the topic. I hope I ain't say nothing wrong. But it's no. like I, I just feel like, you know, and you know, Dwight gotta be smart if that's the life you choose to live, you know, dating a popular author. Cause I was looking at this person. And that that doesn't seem like a smart thing to do. She got a book coming out. There was multiple layers to this that I was like, oh sweetheart, you did this to yourself. But when I look at it, I personally, and this has nothing to do with this young woman being trans, I just personally would have questioned it from the perspective of the book, the popularity, what is her track record? Does she seem like she's a messy person? Um, Is she about sensationalism? Because even when I was looking at some of her book titles, I'm like... Well, you know, that's might. what I'm saying. Forget, forget her being trans. Let let her, let her just be a woman, trans woman. She's a woman. Right. She's a person. They're dating. They're partners. Whatever. It's messy. And that's the thing. This wasn't. And it's it's. Now he brought it on himself. If it's true that they threatened her, but just messy. She seemed like she was already writing. You know these types of things. Or at or, least like the recording part. Now yeah. I guess that's the thing. I looked at it from the first part of like. Was she doing that more so because she thought, like, I don't think this is going to end well and I want to protect myself. But I'm like, I personally, when I'm dating someone, I don't care what status they've dated. Men were going to have dated men that were, you know, regular Joe Schmoes. And I was never, like, I never thought to, like, let me have this in my back file in the event that you're going to act a fucking fool. Because my thing is, like, sweetie, I'm from the low end. We're going to act a fool together. And she said it on Twitter. She said... You know, as soon as I, you know, once he reached out to me and jumped in my DMs, I said, hit me from your fake account because I'm used to talking to celebrities. So this is a game that she's used to playing. Right. You know, and so that that's the part that it's like no one deserves to be victimized. But we do have to be conscientious of people who weaponize the idea that they can talk about being victimized. Right. And I don't want that to delegitimize people who are really going through this, these types of situations. And if that pass, if it's still, no matter what though, I will say, even if she's messy or not, don't nobody deserve, don't to nobody deserve to get threatened at all. So, because you ain't man enough. If that was him on the phone call, because you ain't man enough to talk about the lifestyle that you live in. You want to threaten somebody because they're living in their truth and you scared right. for them to talk about the truth that y'all living together. That that's, that's ridiculous. That's ridiculous. And and it passed it, just doing the mo- But let's get off that for a second. The reason why I'm sensitive to this idea of outing people or whatever the case mm-hmm. may be, I'm starting to realize, like, I'm a cisgender, heterosexual male. I'm dealing with sisters on a day-to-day basis. In journalism, there are more women. I'm on a women's podcast right now. More women than men in journalism, it feels like. I interact with a lot of sisters. I'm friendly, et cetera, et cetera. 
I didn't realize that I was starting to gain a bigger profile until a few years ago when it would come back to me because I'm friends with so many women that somebody is talking about the interaction they've had with me. You know what I mean? Just just being friendly. You know what I'm saying? Just normal stuff. Yeah, come to the artist. I'm really just trying to invite people to my events or whatever right. like that. You didn't say come to the crib. Let yeah, me come make to you the artist. Yeah, <laughs> like come said, to the artist lounge. Come to Stony Island Arts Bank. There's an event here. Yes, like, yeah. <laughs> and sometimes it gets misconstrued and it's like he tries to talk to, to me or what? Like, <laughs> <laughs> let me see. I'm a Leo. He a Gemini. This right. like, you know I dated a lot of Leos too. Really? I, that was the first that one. That was the first that came. Yeah. <laughs> that so you know her. You know Shorty. So it's like. I was like, wait, what? <laughs> no. I but, I, but it's like, man, you know, I'm a Z list celebrity, and it's like, people want to. You're going to use, you know, little interactions to create this idea of putting this thing out, like, oh, I've interacted with this person. And I'm sure it's even worse for women who are in the industry because if you. I mean, let, don't let you go on a date with somebody and they like, oh, you know, the girl Julie asks questions, you know, with the podcast and shit. You know, I'm I was happy to say I'm not there yet. You're not? Okay. Or maybe I've it's, been delusional to myself. I'm about to, I'm about to prophesy. <laughs> it's it's going to be an added, as this platform grows, there's going to be an added concern about who you can trust and who you speak to and what, you know, the, the smartest thing for me was getting a relationship because it keeps me out of out of trouble and troubling interactions. As a single man, you say things that you wouldn't say if you're in a relationship. True. You 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 interact with women in ways or you wouldn't. Or I'll even say this for someone who respects their relationship Word. because I being in this industry and being in the arts, we've seen a lot of mo's that guy whole ass wives, whole ass relationships, and they yeah, talking yeah, to yeah, you yeah. like. So are we going to sip and savor after this? Like, whoa. Right, like, right. And I sip like, and savor. you're going home. <laughs> and don't get me wrong. I mean, I had to learn, too, what was, um, in some ways, we, you know, I, I, men can be oblivious. I'll speak for myself. I can be oblivious. So I had to learn what gives people the wrong idea. So exactly. I'm not, you know, I'm not absolving myself from blame in a situation where somebody got the wrong idea. But, man, we just got to get out of this culture of just trying to, like, put people on blast, I feel like, man. You know, somebody is right here uh, putting a comment under this post like, some people deserve to get put on blast. No one but, deserves uh, that. Yeah, I don't know. And so, you know, and I bring that up. In light of Dwight Howard theme, and it's like, you know, how are we going to create a situation where we normalize um, queer relationships if people are outing people and using it as a way of punishing them? Right. You dig what I'm saying? And I'm like, so you going to out me and think I'm going to be with you? Yeah. That was the biggest piece for me. I'm like. Right, right. Or, or out him and think that more people are going to be comfortable being forthcoming with their lifestyle. No. You know what I'm saying? There's nothing wrong with a queer lifestyle if that's how you get out. You know, you ain't hurt nobody else. But, uh, you know, when you out people, I don't know. I think it's just, you know, somebody should. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> you're going like, I don't know. let's just wrap it. On that just note, wrap though, it. Yeah, can we, can we, yeah. you're right. Yeah. <laughs> She's like, let's just talk about a <laughs> simple place in time. Yeah. No, but thank you so much in terms of like just even your commentary, the perspective on that, because that also, I think, bespeaks to just a black man being comfortable with himself. I can't tell you how many black, wait, nah, man, I ain't here for this gay shit. And I'm just like, take yo toxic Teddy yeah. ass the hell out my house. So <laughs> toxic Teddy. Like, That's what they call it. Toxic Teddy. I'm like, so oh, the fact that even to have just a normal conversation, it's sad to say that that's considered like, oh, that was refreshing, you know? Because oh, it's very far and few in between that you can like even have these type of conversations with like typically cisgender black men. Oh, word. Because anything is like, 
That's yeah. not reflected on me, is it? Like, let me shake the right. gay off me. Like, that's that's not how it works. Right. It's not. It doesn't have. It doesn't jump on you. It's not a virus. <laughs> right. It's I'm not, like, yeah. that's not how that goes. But. Yeah. Well, I do not know what you all will be drinking come cupping season 2019 that is currently upon us. But for those long, lonely winter nights where he lied and said he was coming over and he did not, make sure that you have Cavassier VSOP to ease the pain. It kept us posted in the summertime and it'll definitely be here for the wintertime with that smooth, velvety taste that we all love. So make sure whatever you are drinking that it is Cavassier VSOP. And now back to Joy Has Questions. Moving right along, it is time. Uh-oh. Yes. I feel it? like Rafiki. <laughs> uh-huh. Moving right into, so I it have a time. question. Uh-huh. We about to fire uh-huh. these bitches off. I'm ready. Yo, <laughs> Yo I, I feel so lame because she did it. I was like, oh, she said a punchline. She said I'm in. <laughs> like, I will oh, find so a way a to slide like, it in oh, um, in terms of in terms of like getting my Lion King quote. Right, we'll slide it in then. Okay. Um, let's just get right into it in terms of um, actually watching this very symbol-like ascension. Like, I just feel like, <laughs> <laughs> like your ass one day looked up and was just like, you know, I am on Pride Rock, bitch, and oh, I am man. not climbing down. Um, I'll tweet that right. I'm a proud rock bitch, and I ain't coming down. Okay. <laughs> I'm here for it. I just want credit. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. But yes. when it comes down to you making, you know, the decision to be in the arts, to be, you know, this, this really, I feel, a face of Chicago, what made you, I remember your ass as like a little boy in Beezy before you like left us and was like, mm, I'm on the bigger and better. <laughs> so, yeah, right. So like, have you always had this personality or... Were you always, as a kid, just like, man, I'm about to grow up and, like, take over this TV shit? Like, how did this go? I didn't even want to do TV. If you remember, um, I don't, you remember me, uh, Josh Stapleton? Yes. Daryl. Cam, I see Daryl all the time. I mean. Do you? Mm-hmm. Amaru. These are all friends of mine in grammar school, and we just used to freestyle at the lunch table. So my dream was, was mostly hip-hop. And I had, I wasn't as, you know, forthcoming and confident, but I was always writing rhymes when I was a kid. Like, you know, mostly those those five or those four, however many of us it was. Those are the people. And Devin. Devin three? Devin three. So that was what my best friend, hell? man. Are you serious? Later on. You know, Devin was my best friend, man. No. That was my best friend. He lived Devin down the street so and around the corner. He, he no. He was kid. I was like, I know you eating glue in No, <laughs> no. Devin had hoes. Still got him to this day. Wow. Unless he's in a relationship. Then I, I scratch that from the was, record. But- <laughs> no, he he did. Well, I ain't, I ain't seen him in a few years. So, Devin, you know, I got you. Alley oop, boom. You know, I cleared it up. <laughs> but um, you know, I haven't kicked it with him in a few years. But these these, these were my guys, and and I was writing since I was a shorty. And when I left Beasley, moved to Cal City, and started meeting up with other cats and doing recording and rapping, that was what I wanted to do. And I always say this, especially when I teach summer programs and and do literary workshops and whatnot, rap gives you confidence unlike any other genre you can't be a timid rapper you can't look at the floor oh, no. yeah you gotta we saw eat mouth we know what happened to you rabbit. feel what i'm saying <laughs> like, you know what happened to b rabbit like, you don't want to be b rabbit throwing up on yourself look at you you're a mess <laughs> nah you want to hit the stage you want to be you you have to be boisterous you got to be confident you got to be well-spoken have to learn how to enunciate if you care about lyrics and those were things that translated into into doing journalism. But journalism happened accidentally. I didn't. I still don't necessarily love journalism. It's just what I do, and it's just what I you know become somewhat good at. Okay. 
but you're mastering it. <laughs> Thank now, you. It's funny now. I see. Um, I don't comment all the time, but I'll like see people like comment on your posts and stuff, and I'll be sitting there going, like, you know, good and goddamn well, like you was not there shooting with him in the jail. But I'm like, I'm just gonna watch him respond with that that PR. Thank you for your support. <laughs> like the beginning of these PBS shows, but that's funny. Is that something that when you? How do you like basically level that, or I should say level set that? Because I know sometimes like you definitely have to have those moments of being like, I should just have my little feeling myself moment, just be like, yes, despite mm. your lack of support, I'm here. <laughs> or is is really just a thing of like, just just keep it moving. Tunnel vision, and no one owes you anything. Good point. No one owes you their support, and you have to earn people's support. And then we always talk about, you know, the, the memes and posts and people talk online about, you know, your friends and family support this celebrity and to post their content and post their stuff, but they won't post yours. Sometimes you want your friends and family to remain friends and family, because when you get to the point where they're constantly reminding you of who you are on television or who you are on radio, mm-hmm. you have really lost a friend and they turned into a fan. And sometimes you want to come home and be who you really are. You want to be Domitee. You don't want to sit down and talk about what you got coming up because, I mean, shit is stressful. And it so you, you don't want to come home and, and, and stress out about that type of stuff. And w- why would you? Sometimes we look for support from people who aren't even into what we're doing. So it's like, you never like rap music. You don't like rap music. Why would you post my mixtape? Right. You know, but, I won't, but because you're my cousin, you have to post it. So, you know, people text me stuff and I become more forthright. And I'm like, I, I don't like this type of music. I think if this is the genre that you're going for, you like, you're doing that little Uzi Vert thing. You find your target audience. Your friends and family aren't your target audience. Let them remain your friends and family. And so once I got there, I realized that they didn't owe me anything and I didn't deserve their support until I put the work in. And then when I put the work in, I want support from people I've never seen before. Because that means if I'm sitting here thirsty about whether or not Joy is going to support me, that means that I'm not paying attention to someone in L.A. Mm-hmm. who I should be vying for their support because they're the one with the check. So I don't give a damn who don't or will support me because the work will eventually speak for itself. That definitely is something that I'm not going to lie. Like, it took me a while to get to. And I'm it's still, very hard. It's still a work in progress because, and it wasn't a friends and family thing. If anything, it was the opposite. My friends and family wow. were always like, well, you do this already. Like, this yeah, is your yeah, niche. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. this is your spot. Figure this out. Um, and I'd be like, y'all just playing. Y'all right, just saying right, that because right. we like friends and family, right? Right. I think the bigger thing for me was just from the professional spaces I was in. Like, mm. people, or rather maybe certain people that I thought would be more um, positive or actually, like, um, assist more and at the time they didn't ah, so yeah. it's like now the funny thing I still see them in the same circles like you know and it's it's cordial but it, sometimes it's you know still takes me while to like let it go from the back of the head I feel that and just be like I'm there though I'm keeping <laughs> I mean I mean, no, I mean you know I, I I be knowing how to respond to questions like that you know what I'm saying to make myself not sound petty but I'm there right. though I, I'm there though I what what it made me do though, we, we need these experiences because it makes you passionate about opening doors for other people. Oh my God. So now I'm like, I'm gonna be everything that so and so wasn't to me. It really and even when it when I think about like mentorship, right? Mm-hmm. I do have mentees, but I always tell them I'm like, it is not my job to make you another me. 
Mm. It is my job as your mentor to make you the best you. Yeah. I'm yep. like, now, if you need help figuring who that is, that's what I'm here for. But I'm not about to sit here and be like, oh, you doing this wrong. Like, this is going to fuck up your opportunities. No. Because yeah. my thing is, I'm supposed to empower you and encourage you. Now, if you out here just making dumbass decisions, I'm like, girl, if you don't get your ass, like, sit down. But that's not what I want. Or that's not the type of mentor I want to be. I remember I was at this uh, thing covering um, T.D. Jakes when he dropped his book, Instincts. And... He said this thing, there was a pastor in the audience that asked a question. He said, uh, can you tell me how you're able to grow your church to as large as it is? I'm a pastor in Chicago, blah, 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 blah. And T.D. Jake said, there is nothing, you know, with the spit, the, the, the list. There is nothing that I know that I will not tell you. And so basically, I'm going to tell you everything. I, there's not, And f- such a simple statement, but for me, something. Cl- and then let me know that he was speaking from a place of abundance. A place of there's enough for everybody. Yes. And the problem is when we look for mentorship, we're looking up to these people, but we don't realize they see us as competition. We don't realize that their space is, they feel like their space is limited, which it's not. I can't replace you. You've been doing that for 30 something years. You know what I'm saying? It's like watching Nicki Minaj just. Yeah, go in on Cardi. Rail against the wind. She's losing it. It's their own insecurities. So be encouraged when you see people in spaces who should support you but won't because it's an affirmation that you got the sauce and they see it and they don't want to help you because they know that there's a possibility you could take that spot and it makes you you know makes you not feel bad that when you do so when you do take that spot and when you do chew them up it's like i want to work with you but you know what i'm saying when i step on you on the way up it's not gonna you're not gonna feel bad about it because you had an opportunity to open this door for me now they're letting you go and now i gotta sit in that seat sorry if you would have brought me here, we could have worked together. It's so hard <laughs> to say goodbye, goodbye. <laughs> to yes to hit the note. Dang. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why you gotta like put the you gotta put the, put the finger the on the earlobe to make sure you're in the key. It really helps. <laughs> but um, so even moving yeah. along, like with your. Yeah. seeing um, how you got interested and started. What sacrifices have you had to make in order to like really grind it out and be in the position that you are in? Because I think a lot of times people are just like, oh, well, he has a a voice. And I've just mm. one day looked up and he was on WVON. And I guess like he just put himself in the right rooms. But mm. truly, like, how were you able to differentiate yourself from all of the competition? Uh, I remember when I was in broadcasting school because I went to undergrad for economics. I didn't go to school for journalism. Mm-hmm. And I went to a vocational school uh, for broadcasting. And uh, one of the first, you know, my early interactions with radio legends was you're going to have to leave the market and then come back if you want to be on air in this market. I know. And it's it's for the most part true. If you're in a top three market, it's for the most part true. But I figured I asked them, how long did it take you to pop on? You know, they're like 10 years or whatever it is. And I'm like... If I work twice as hard as you did, then I can make it happen in five years. So I was working almost 20 hours a day for like two years straight. And you can attest to this. We've had, we were supposed to schedule for lunches. I've overslept in me, on meetings. And I've, I had to finally confront some of my weaknesses and said, if I'm going to drive myself this hard, then I need help. And I had to get people to help me schedule things and other people to help me with logistics. But just to give you a picture... And I was interning at WVON before I became news director. I was working there from 6 to 9 a.m. And then I went to uh, the Illinois Media School 
from uh, like 10 to 2. And then from there, I went to the north side when I was multimedia director from like 2 to 10 to work on some things with them. And then and I was just constantly learning. And that was five days a week. And so it was like, you know, 6 a.m. to 10 p.m. over and over. And you learn so much. Every every event that I could go to, every workshop, every single, you know, function, every professional organization that looked at me like the help the following year looked at me like somebody who, you know, was worthy of respect. Yeah. And so it's just putting the hours in. There's no shortcuts. But the only shortcut is do more work more, you know. And so to make a long story short, I just really... I took on as many jobs as I could. I said yes to everything. I read a lot. I had this chip on my shoulder having not gone to J school. And I said that then I got to be twice as good. As they tell us, when you black, you got to be twice as good. And it's hard to get half of what they got. And I'm like, man, if I do that times four, I can take all of what they got. And so I, that's just, that was the main thing. And then the other thing, the major key is treat the secretary like the CEO. <laughs> so you say secretary I was always told you treat the doorman the same as the CEO there and my dad was okay. just saying sometimes you treat the doorman better I know that might sound weird no it, oh, oh okay no, well not to me but yeah, oh maybe to people in podcast land I think it, it might sound weird but the thing is those are the people that are forgotten because the doorman he's always opening the door no one like maybe I'm like, oh hi mm-hmm. George hi this but when I think about how I would even have crafted certain situations that happened to me like mm-hmm. case in point there was this really bomb ass um uh internship that everyone wanted at roosevelt university it was with the marketing department and it was going to be on like the whole statewide campaign they were doing and so i was sitting there and like every day i would go upstairs and the line to the president's office was fucking insane and i'm just Word. like i'm wasting time smart so finally i sat and i thought about it and i was like Mr. George, who had been the doorman at Roosevelt for Mr. George. ever, he was like the sweetest black man. And I always said hi to him. Mm-hmm. I think I just also personally liked him because I have an Uncle George and they are like around the same age. And so I finally asked him, I was like, Mr. George, I was like, he saw me. He was like, what's wrong, Mr. George? And I was like, I cannot get to the president's office. And I'll never forget. He was like. Oh, he's like, I'll help you with that. He was like, I know when the president comes down every day for lunch. Mm. And he was like, you need to catch him. Literally, like an elevator pitch. He was like, that's when you need to catch him. And sure enough, that's when I called him and gave him my resume. There you go. But that was because the doorman, Mm -hmm. you know, those those little black moments of like people always holding you down. And I got the internship. But I would have been like a needle in a haystack. Yes. Trying to secure it. And that was my first actual statewide campaign. There was a, a microsite that went with it and everything. I gave that man the biggest hug. I bought him lunch for like a month. And he mm. was just like, you don't have to feed me. I'm like, no, no. Mm-hmm. We're getting you all the Chicago-style Al's beef. <laughs> that was his joint. But yeah, I, I couldn't have told a better story. Like, the CEO sees the doorman every day. Mm-hmm. Or the secretary. That is who they trust. When you go in that interview and you leave out, the CEO talks to the secretary and says, yo, what do you think of that candidate? What do you think? That's they right hand. And Keisha's going to be like, he walked right past me. <laughs> <laughs> so didn't even speak. Right. Like, and that, I think people forget that. And so a lot of my opportunities um, have come from people who you wouldn't think had power. And, have, you know, and I, I, 
I take them to lunch. We'd have coffee. Not, and I'm not trying to finesse. It's people who I gen- genuinely have a connection with. You link up with them. They're cool. They're just down to earth people. I've, I've, you know, whatever. And those have been the people that put me in front of, just like you, with the decision makers. And I think that a lot of people who I've seen do things the wrong way, especially in Chicago, where we value titles and cliques and all of this, that's why I've seen people go wrong. Have you ever had, a, I know this has happened to me, so I'm going to ask you. Where? Have you ever had like a moment of like, ha, that's what you get, when like someone, you just, hey, how you doing? And they're just like, uh, hello. And then they find out like, oh, bitch, I'm on the panel. <laughs> or, or they didn't realize it was you. Now it's like, oh, hey, how are you? It's like, when I see that flip, when I see that change, that makes me know like, no, nah, we don't need to do business or I don't need to keep engaging. Because when you thought I was no one, you had... You didn't have like zhuzh or like yeah. any sort of like sweetness. Oh, that's a game I play. When I go to events, my thing is if I'm hosting an event, I go and make my rounds around the room. Originally, it was because I know that if people have never heard of me, if I go and shake their hand, smile at them, tell a joke, laugh with them, whatever, kick it, then when I go on stage, they're not going to let me bomb because they like me. Right. You know, we've made an acquaintance. There's psychology even, behind that. Yes. Even if they don't like me, they feel familiar with me. You know, you got to sit and listen to me for the next three hours. So, you know, more or less, you know me, you know, you're going to give me a chuckle even if I tell a stupid corny joke, right? So that's what I do. But I take notice in my mind of the people who dismiss me. I'm usually the youngest person in the room, usually the blackest person in the room. Yeah, that's I, I actually posted that out. And there's, there's a media blog, a real no, well-known media blog in Chicago, Robert Feeder, who uh, tweeted, retweeted that tweet when I tweeted out, man, I love making my rounds in the room, see who plays me, and then look at their face when they see me on a panel or see me hosting. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And I, hit it with a, that slight leg cross. You hit him with, with the, the leg cross. With the tailor. Come on, with like, the tailor. Right, and you're just like, Come on, with the, with the, with the socks. With the socks that match the <laughs> yeah. tie. Come on, baby. You know what's going and on. And they're going like, hmm. We've exactly. got to do better. <laughs> yes. It happens every single time. And and because we're on the end of it, I learned how to do that to other people. And I try my best not to to make sure no matter what mood I'm in that I'm giving that person the respect they deserve. So you never know where people are, where they're gonna end up. And you know, thankfully I don't hold grudges. Um but I've gotten better. I don't yeah, I <laughs> I really don't I I genuinely do not hold grudges. But there's a difference between Hey, do you know Joy? Oh, that's my homie. Like, blah, 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 blah. And do you know Joy? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> I have done anything that else. <laughs> but you hit it with I'm Joy. not gonna say anything negative about you, but I ain't got nothing positive see, to say. Either. That's where you go. Yeah, and mine is. I'm acquainted. Oh, <laughs> like, see, see, you petty. See, you holding grudges. <laughs> we need to rebuke that. In the name of Jesus, we we come against that now, spirit. Same, first off, <laughs> people know I use a lot of words, so I'm acquainted. Actually, it's something I would say. I'm acquainted. I know that's that's if you if I ask about somebody, you say I'm acquainted. I'm like, okay, say less. <laughs> right. I'm deleting the number. If I ask you about somebody, you say I'm acquainted. I'm I'm deleting the number. So, but no, nah, I don't I don't throw salt on it. But I mean, there been hell yeah, there been tons of opportunities. I got some stuff brewing right now. Well, I've reached out to some people and. This is, this is one of those lame things that interviewees do. It like I can't talk about it yet, but <laughs> it's like no, that's the smart thing. It, the ink is not dried, and I don't need to mess up whatever promo they have for this. <laughs> exactly, and there have been people that I've tried to throw alley oops to that you know haven't been as responsive, but they're usually responsive after the ink dries, and it's like. It, nah, it's, I need the time you to be here with the mustard seed face. Yeah. Don't be sitting here waiting when you didn't watch the red seed part. And I'm like, oh, that was coming. Yeah. Like, nah, bitch. And the reason I don't hold grudges is because 
I realized that maybe that wasn't for them in their season. Maybe they put some negative energy elsewhere in the atmosphere and God didn't want to bless them with that. Or maybe God blessed them with something better just because mm-hmm. I think what I got over here is good for them doesn't necessarily mean that's what it is. It may not translate. And you know what? You could be saving yourself also from a headache. Because there's nothing worse than presenting an opportunity when someone's not ready to walk through the door. Mm, So if you sit there trying to pull them and like, well, why, you know, you frustrating yourself and it's just like, well, what would have happened if they would have been a part of the project and they aren't following through? You pull in double ways, so now they dead weight. Now the people that you made that business arrangement looking at everybody crazy. That's 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 a fact. That's a fact. So you know it's frustrating because I have such this passion to help people along the way. If I can, I don't, I don't want to speak from a position of I'm not on Proud Rock. You know what I'm saying? Like I don't want to speak a position like I made it there yet. But I just know that when. You know, I was at the point that I see some people now, I wish I had a me just to tell them, hey, I've been through that door before. We've had those conversations. You've mentored me and I've mentored you. You're like, yo, how do you handle this situation? Yeah, I've been there. Do this like this. I didn't have that. So I got to lean on people who are my same age. And I, when I reach down to a shorty and I'm like, man, you're lucky to have somebody who's been here before. And if they don't want to respond, you know, I that's just, fine. that's fine. That's I'll fine. See you when I see you they've got, yeah, they've got their own blessings too, you know, that, and, and we'll still be cool. <laughs> we'll still be cool. That's bomb. So let me just slightly pivot because I do want to sure. wrap it up on a personal note because okay. I think that's the thing. Everyone knows you. See, I told you I get my, my answers be too long, man. You wrapping no, up all No, <laughs> no, you're fine. <laughs> um, Jasmine ain't sent me the evil eye text yet, so we good. Okay, but, okay. Um, what I did want to know. Mm-hmm. Like you said, you were grinding so hard. And that's the thing. Everyone knows Doma T, especially if you're in the Chicagoland area. You know, man, he's with WGN Radio. You know, you're doing all these things with your own. I think you're restarting back up the Artist Lounge. Are no, you? not yet. No, we're not, not doing that yet because uh, I got to work. I got to head out of town to work on a project for the next uh, few weeks. Uh-huh. So, um, yeah, and the Artist Lounge was, was an open mic. It was dope. It was at Southside Community Arts Center. And it was, it was beautiful. It was black people coming together to listen to poetry and affirmations and music. And, oh, man, it was and it was different like than any other poetry set. You know, we, we were live. And, uh, yeah, man, uh, we haven't had a chance to bring that back, though. Okay, got you. But just in general, like, you are an authentically branded person because there's a lot of people I know that are branded. And it's just like, girl, this is not a boy. I know this is not right. the real you. But you have mentioned this young lady multiple times which that in itself is beautiful definitely mm. worth accommodation she's a powerhouse in her own right um i know you are dating the super talented gifted key oh she's so pretty y'all is like she? for okay <laughs> whatever Shorty sis pool. let me tell you even <laughs> off the mic he's like that's bad <laughs> yeah, so yeah. i'm just like how did you all meet like how did you know when you met her that this right here this is what we doing this is the first time I ever talked about that on the podcast. So Yay. Joy definitely be having questions. I um But positive ones, not messy. Because think no, about it. Beautiful. Our gen- this is quote unquote cuffing season. Our generation can't hold conversations or follow through. And you clearly I mean, not saying like you all are like Denzel and Paula and y'all like thirty years in the right, game, sure. but you are building a foundation that a lot of us want. So how was that? Well, and it's and it's precious. So it's like that's why I I usually don't I just well, got. I mean, don't give us details. No, no, no. It's cool. Oh, okay. I'm, I'm gonna give you details. There ain't nothing to talk about. The have we met is was pretty cool. But it's like uh, just going on, on that note. 
it's very difficult to keep something precious like a relationship because it seems like once you put out there that you got a girl, it's like the energy just, oh my God. It's I mean, almost, did you find? Oh my God, the pussy just flies at you, man. It's crazy. I was about to say, is that not crazy how it's almost like the DMs double? Oh my God. Well, I mean, because if you're, DMs, the, but like, if you're with the right person, they're going to sauce you up. So I also have to acknowledge she has made me more attractive, not just by the fact that she found and I'm with her, but I mean, she be dressing me. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's a lot of stuff that she recommends that I do that, is that makes me more attractive. Y'all listen, he said this now multiple times in different ways, but I need people to understand this. Uh-oh. Women bring ambiance. We bring those little fine points that y'all don't think about. Y'all will walk into an apartment and have three hots in a cot, and I'm like, this is prison that you are paying rent for. A woman will walk in, all of a sudden, you niggas got towels, y'all got little monograms, there's actually, you know, air freshener throughout the home, not just in one room. It's like, we will dress, you be like, babe, that color, or the size, the tailoring is doing nothing for you. Yes, facts. A woman makes a house a home, man, but how we met, she came to a screening at a WVON event, and, you know, she she would say that she just felt the urging that she needed to introduce herself to me. She'd known me already because she had saw one of my videos one of these days. And she's a mute, she's a singer, a jazz vocalist, and she loves real hip hop and lyricism. So she was a fan of the video. Um, she loved the music. And so she's like, I have to. And she just felt something that said she had to introduce herself. So she introduced herself to me. Uh, the station I was working at was it's talk radio and it's black talk radio. So normally the listenership is a little older. And to have somebody younger than me, like five years younger than me, walk up on me and say, um, yo, you know, how you doing? I heard of you. I love your music. She ain't five years younger. Make three years. But she like, yo, I've heard your music, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, yo, it was, it was mind blowing to me. I'm like, how did you find out about that? So just because, same thing we're talking about mentorship. She was someone that I was like, you know, immediately I saw she was attractive, but I didn't want to do anything romantic because I was just getting to the space where I felt like I had to be responsible with myself and my platform. And I said, hey, anything you need, I got you. I'll randomly invite her to shows. If she was in the area and got done doing an event, need to help bring the speakers and bags to the car, we'll just pop up and do it. But it was truly platonic. I was like legitimately just helping out. And I've never before felt this thing where it was like, you have to help her, like help this woman, just, just help her. You know what I'm saying? So I was just helping. And then one night I was drunk, and I was with my boy, and I'm like, gee, she bad, bro. I've been trying. To, I mean, she cool. I don't want to cross that line because then I truly value her friendship, her as a person. If I cross that line and tell her I'm feeling her, then she's going to think I'm a sleaze and that I've been nice all this time. Just to get because, something. yeah, and, and it genuinely was. I just saw somebody with talent who, first of all, I thought she was already far along because at the time that I met her, she had gone viral with a couple million views on world style hip hop from singing um, an Erica Badu song. She has alopecia, so her hair was in patches in the video. It grows in weird patches. And so she had like this weird hairdo, but her voice was amazing. And so just that little thing made it go viral and had people talking and all this stuff. And uh, I just thought she should be further along than she was. And Boy, you going to make me get this banana pudding out yeah, my fridge. I thought you going to say. Like, well, let me sit back and just listen. Yeah, like, so, this you is know, a testimony. Right. And my bad I'm being so long-winded. But I, I just thought, you know, I just wanted to help her. And then, you know, you know I'm like, yo, What's up? And she was like, what's up? And we was like, hey, ooh, hey, hey. And, then, <laughs> and, and now we together. How long have you all officially been together? Um, A year and several months. 
See, okay. And what I love about that, so I know the official part. Yes. But there was the building up into that. Yes. Into like actually getting to know the person. Yes. And that's the one piece that I find our generation, we're so microwavable. Like yeah, if you yeah, get yeah. on my nerve, I could just swipe left or I can just block you. Facts. Or I don't have to actually address what naturally will happen with human interactions. You're not going to like somebody 24 yeah. seven, or you have to learn how to communicate with that person, yeah. even for a friendship. Um, so yeah. I love the fact that there is this sincere investment on both of you all's parts Word. to get to know each other. Facts. Facts. And, not, and also not even, you know, mess up the situation just cause you were like, well, he cute. She fine. Like, and let's just, you know, right have fun quote unquote right. and that's something that could have been like amazing no nah, it's true yeah. It, yeah we we got to know each other for a while and that that really helped because the thing that makes me faithful and that makes men faithful in general is like if your partner is your friend you don't want to do your friend in you know what i mean so like <laughs> We need cigars and wine. Like I'm literally, like Friday, you know. I'm re-upping the box from High Park Cigars, <laughs> and we didn't drink all the Hennessy or Cavassier X. Oh no, we got a little bit left. Yeah, a little bit. Let me get some. Okay. But but it's like it's kind of messed up because it's like not to say that your partner who you with romantically that should just be enough. But I mean, it's hard. Like I'm not gonna front my perfect guy. I'm not you know it should whatever. Be your haven. But yeah, and and if yo if that's your friend, it's like. I don't, that's my, that's my nigga. Like, you know, gifted is my nigga. So I'm not going to make my nigga look at, look, look bogus, G. Like, you the homie. Like she was the friend before anything. She the homie. So, yeah. I love that. And definitely like, I truly can tell that even past like Amherst feelings, like there's a respect there in y'all relationship. It's two people. Um, That's dope. No, I'm saying. That's dope. I am never going to be out here. I'm not doing the listener letters and opinions. I mm. clearly am single, you know, whenever God, that alignment, whatever. But She's so single, I, y'all. I just had to. I'm sorry. If there were subtitles, take that I, would, I would make them. <laughs> I would have made them. I'm always looking at We need a code for you to be like, or like maybe this, like, mm, take it out. But I, I got homies. I got homies. Whatever. Mm. Anyhow, back to this interview. Yes. Uh-huh. <laughs> this ain't my. Okay. Um. Also, I got to turn my head off. Okay. Stop <laughs> interviewing. Okay. But no, I think that's the thing. Um, so, how do you all like find the time and the balance? And that's like truly the way I wanted to wrap it up and end it, just okay. in the sense of like when you're looking at this ascension. And yes, you climb in this prior record, the jokes you've been making, or you where you see your career path. How important is that balance for you? Because you can turn into, you know, who's that black billionaire that I can't stand? Um, he owned the Bobcats, the black one. Michael Jordan? No. <laughs> well, well. He did. I think he owned the Bobcats. Anyway, black billionaire. His friend. He owned oh, yeah. BET. Bob, oh, uh, no. Bob Johnson. Bob Johnson, okay. yes. Ugh. I didn't know he owned the Bobcats. Okay. Yeah, uh, he did. Or he was the president. Mm-hmm. So how do you, like, basically, when you were looking at that ascension, I could totally see you being, like, truly a media mogul. Mm, so in that speak aspect. Speak that into my life. Thank you. <laughs> that's fine. We'll Thank be there you. together. Yes, we yes. Right. Yes. We said, going on that. Tommy T, move your yacht. You know I told you I was parking over here. <laughs> like, okay, fine. I guess. Like, um. So how do you see like, you know, all of that playing in to one another when you look at like what I want my life to look like professionally, um, personally? 
It's hard. I failed at relationships before because I didn't prioritize relationships. You know what I mean? I didn't. I'm like, how you mad that I got to work when my work is part of the reason and my work ethic is part of the reason you like me. And that has always been a running theme in my relationships. But this relationship has taught me that is not the fact that I have a scarcity of time. It's the fact that it seemed like I prioritized everything above this person. And as long as that person feels that they are a priority in your life, they don't give a damn what you do at their time. Because I'm only dating women who have scarce time, too, because they're getting shit done. So I ain't got all night to be sitting up here and giggling with your ass. You dig what I I'm saying? I got deadlines. I got shit to plan. So Gifty got songs to write, studio sessions. She's going. She she mentors youth at the Salvation but Army. I'm pretty sure she texts you. Hey, babe, miss you doing this. Yeah, but she knows. Nah, she. I told her I'm doing a podcast tonight. Not one text. Oh well, hell. That's, Whatever works for y'all. Yes. But so we that's got the, But that's the thing. So so we have clear conversations, and I talk to her about when I'm in a situation and I'm focused. And and she's coming to my job before. She's been at the gig before. Um, she's been on WGN Radio singing and whatnot. And she's seen how intense it is, how much work I do in the studio. And so I'm like, so when you text me and I can't respond, this is why. You know, so she understands. And so it's, it's clear communicating. It's clear understanding of what people's priorities are and being honest about what you can handle. So now I'm like, can you handle someone who I get better with my responses, but I'll never be as responsive as the average person is that cool yep and that's how we go balance <laughs> black balance <laughs> uh-huh. but um that i think is the perfect way to end the interview just because yes. it has been so amazing having you on this show i kind of i'm slightly more emotional than i thought it would be but Damn, wow. like truly like i've always admired your hustle and Thank admired you. the fact that you are still super relatable and super humble oh, for someone you. that has such a, a truly a bright future. So trust and believe. I wish nothing but, you know, the best for you. We definitely going to be turning up in Ibiza one of these years. Yes. Kicked back like, remember where we came from, my nigga. Remember. Talk about where we came from. We in a high park condo as we speak. Okay, you you so made it. You getting big money. What I don't know. Look, Look at these microphones. How much minding our business and blessings fall down. The, I'm I'm not, like, but Joe, I appreciate you and, and I appreciate this platform and uh the fact that you open space for I, I look at the all the past people you had lyric on here. You had, I mean just homies and people that I respect and we need more of this and it allows me a chance to vent and articulate some of the things that are meaningful to me. So I appreciate the, oh, the platform. So thank you. <laughs> I'm from the low end. I'm not about to cry. No. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> but no, thank you so much, love, for coming on the show. And everybody, uh, definitely support this brother. We'll make sure to have all his social media handles so you can follow him. But Doma T, D-O-M-E-T-I. Oh, yeah, true. There Please, it is. it's not D O M I T I. It's it's Pongo P O N G. It's not Domatai. It's not it's Domati. D O M E T I. Yes. So all right. And on that note, it is time to wrap it up with Joy's motivational message of the week. Woo! Joy's motivational message for this week. I ain't got no motivation for y'all. No, I'm kidding. (laughs) 
Um, when it comes down to my motivation for this week, my motivational message for this week is worthless slave. You did what you were supposed to do. Now I know y'all are like, this girl done lost her mind. You are fucking nuts. Let me, let me at least back it up as well as try and not curse and quote Bible scripture at the same time. <laughs> um, when I say that, that's something that just popped into my head. Uh, my mom used to say that a lot to me. Like sometimes I'd be like, man, you can't even cut me no slack. And she would take this one specific line. It's from a parable uh, in the Gospels, basically. Um, Jesus was talking to his, you know, disciples. And he tells them this story about how this rich man had two slaves. And so he was like, I have to go away for a long time. Basically, he told his slaves, like, flip my money, do whatever you can, but make sure, you know, my assets not only are protected, but they come back even better than they were before. The good slave basically was like, well, I'm going to do some trading, do some borrowing, and I'm going to give my master even more. The bad slave literally just dug a hole in the ground, covered the money over, and when the master came back, was like, look, I ain't getting no type of return on your investment. I ain't investing nothing. Here you go. Go for what you know, sis. And so... The part of the parable that my mom always loves was when the master like looked at the bad slave and was like, well, why didn't you do what I asked you to do? And the slave's excuse was, well, I knew you were a demanding man and you always are complaining over something. Basically just going like, look, I did what I did and I don't care. And I remember the slave master, or not the slave master, but the master goes, well, if you knew that, that I was like that way, then worthless slave. You did what you were supposed to do, or you were supposed to do what I expected of you. So my mom loved taking that and, like, say it to me. Now, I am not coming from, you know, a place of negativity or a place of, you know, extraness. But the reason why I'm thinking about that today is there are moments where even if you get accommodation or even if someone rewards you or acknowledges the effort, it is nice to have accommodation. It is nice to have people recognize all the hard work that you're putting in. But trust and believe. You are doing what you are supposed to be doing. You are on this planet to make it better. You are not on this planet just for your own self. And now that's something that this country, that our society does a really, really shitty job of, of lying and making it seem like, oh, you're just supposed to go for gold for yourself. That's not why you're here. You're here to be a testament to future generations that when you step foot on this planet, you are not just taking, you are giving, you are providing, you are beautifying, you are restoring, you are healing, that you are here to serve testimony to whatever your beliefs are, whoever put you here. It's to that entity's glory, as well as to give pride to all those who have come before you. That is my personal belief as to why we're here. So whereas accommodation is amazing. I, and let's keep it real. We all love being told, bitch, you did that. And dude, you really out here hustling. You making moves. Don't allow the accommodation to block you from the fact that you're doing what you're supposed to be doing. And therefore, there's more levels to ascend. Everyone. I don't care if your name is Barack Hussein Obama. I don't care if your name is, is Millie Vanilli. I don't give a fuck if your name is Beyonce. Whoever you are, there is always something to, 
aspire for. There is always more work to be done. There is always more people that can be reached. There are always more levels to be climbed. So be happy with the accommodation, but don't think that it's something that, you know, you can just kick back and bask and now just ride the clout. Because that's when you just reflect all the things that I feel are personally wrong with this world, which is mediocrity, selfishness, and just a lack of love and compassion for one another. So let's do better. Let's be happy as the year winds down with all the strides that we made, but let's also at the same time keep pushing and progressing. Because worthless slave, you did what you were supposed to do. (laughs) Uh, Just kidding, y'all. At the end of the day, I hope everyone has an amazing, beautiful week. And I will holler at you next time with Joy Has Questions.